episode 658 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini the Comic Book Podcast. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Did you see uh, David, a.k.a. DeWiki, was trying to get us to become some sort of other car of podcasting? Was, uh, no, I, saw, I, I know he was talking about Lamborghinis, but he wanted to buy one. He wanted to get a front from uh, Young Ed, so... Right, with, uh, with the-, the big... Vig that young Ed gets for having Haya Bussy as part of the uh, soon to be named network. Yep, that's all. Well, was it a um, was it a, a Lamborghini? Com- I thought it was something else. No, that was the Lamborghini Countach. I think it's pronounced. That's the classic one with the doors that go up. Oh no, he, there was another one that he put um as the Ferrari of podcast networks. Oh, okay, I missed that one. Right, I yeah, was scouring was- the the news today, so that's mm-hmm. why I, I must have missed that one. <laughs> But yeah, it was one or the other. No, listen, uh, la- unless we come upon some sort of other desk lamp mm-hmm. or some sort of other nonsense item that calls themselves the Ferrari of whatever, then mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we've we've stolen this branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the silence from Lamborghini themselves has been deafening. Yep. So the only way I would do something different is if we got in bed with Bugatti. Oh, okay. I'm a Bugatti man all the way, so <laughs> I just like saying Bugatti. But that's it. It's like John Gotti, but different. Um, would you like to know what's on the show today, Joe? I would love to know what's on the show today. A Marvel announces something, and we're going to tell you everything we don't know about it, Joe. <sighs> and also, uh, a book that we will be buying without reading the solicitations. Also, uh, information about a DC book that spins out of something that w- from something that we read last week, and the upfronts are this week. So we got some upcoming rele- release dates for you too. Um, convention news: what we read last week, which was Green Lantern number one, Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-five, which I'm looking forward to seeing what you thought about, and Saga sixty-four. What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues where we're rereading Neil Gaiman's Sandman, um, and we're doing the Sandman special. And also, what other show is going to review and talk about a statue box? That's our show right here. Um, no art attacks. And finally, I don't think we have any movies or TV to talk about for a little while. Correct. Yay. Nice and easy. Um, so, you know, obviously a couple of things that we're going to be talking about here are coming directly out of the August Marvel solicitations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I teased it a little bit in the uh, poll post this week, but right. for the last couple months, Marvel has been doing like this overlapping six week of solicitations. Yeah. And I really don't like it. DC was doing some weird thing too, where it was like, here's a month and a week. You know what I mean? In right. This but previews. what would happen is, so DC would do their month and a week, but it was more so of like, hey, it's a prestige book. Hey, it's a number one. Hey, it's a something. But they wouldn't double up on it. Like, so let's say, like, you get the February solicitation, like the February catalog for April, and they throw the first week of May in there. When March's catalog comes out for May, they're not double hitting you on that book. Right. Making you think it's like, oh, did I not order this book? What's going on? Right? Yeah. Ordering then, stuff is confusing now, but God. And then Marvel has different final order cutoff dates for different books that are shipping on the same week as well. Right. And that just adds to the confusion. 
Um, and we are now at no less than the second this this year book that Marvel is soliciting with no information, saying yeah. classified, no creative team, no nothing, no idea what it fo- comes into. Um, you know, we have the thing that's coming out of Spider-Man, which is called Fallen Friend. I assume that this is going to somehow tie into that, but who knows, right? Right. So they're like, oh, well, we'll give you more information in July about this book that's shipping in August. Okay, that's great, but what's the final order cutoff date for retailers on something like this? Right, we're going to just trust you, you know what I mean? Right. I, just, I need a creator, and I need a bare bones of a solicit, you know what I mean? Something to so, so I can gauge like if it's Spider-Man related, I will buy definitely buy some because there's like full-fledged spider people that buy everything. If it's an X thing, like there's like you know who it involves is is big, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I never like that kind of stuff. I know the Fallen Friend one shot is Spider-Man related, mm-hmm. and I know it's supposed to tie in with Amazing Twenty Six, which comes out in two weeks, right? Or Has whatever. Been spoiled for you yet? let's talk about that when we talk about spider-man fair enough yeah let's talk about that but yeah i don't know um this sort of stuff it just i i'll get like i'll get the book when i get the book if it if it falls into like the categories of stuff that i get stuff for i i just more so feel for the retailers that they have to jump through these hoops all the time Right, because for us, like all joking aside, as long as it's not the hot book of the week for some reason, we can most likely pick it up. You know what I mean? Somehow, some way. Right. But yeah, that's it, it, that's one of the dirty tricks that they do. The other thing that I like is when they uh, double solicit the first two issues in the fr- in one month. Yeah. So they have no like a lot of times they'll be like, oh well, here's two two. Uh, it's a four issue mini. Um, we're going to ship two books one month and the three and four the next month. And then because the third month where you can make your adjustments and they're like, oh, well, you don't know. And that's like a little trick that they, they, they do to get them. And it's like you really shouldn't have anything that could trip up retailers. It should be everything should help your retail. The other one is um, here's variant covers or like whatever. And we're not going to show you what they look like. It's like just make it easy for your retailer. Now, I will give you the the only caveat and uh, devil's advocate I'll play with the covers Mm -hmm. is at least if you tell us who the artist is and if it's a big enough name of an artist, that's at least something to go on as opposed to nothing to go on. Unless that artist phones it in that month. Right. And again, that's not in the news this week, but well, it is in the news, but who cares, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll just throw this out because a lot of our discussion is about the Marvel solicitations, you know? Right. Um, I did state that while I am not buying it, I've been bitten by the Rob too many times. Mm-hmm. He does have a new book coming out next month, which is called Deadpool Batter Blood. How many anchors? Well, when I looked at, because, so, you know, the first issue was scheduled for June, and the second issue was scheduled for July, and the third issue is scheduled for August. When I was looking at the scheduling dates of these first three issues, it's not a monthly book. It's like a monthly and a half book. Right. Like the first issue comes out the first week of June. The second issue comes out the third week of July. 
and the third issue comes out the fifth week of August because it's a five Wednesday month. Now, I don't know if that's just the way that it fell on the schedule, if they decided to give the Rob a little bit more padding there. Mm, he doesn't play, need it. To play with, you know? Well, uh, like- but I'm going to be just tracking to see if this book hits the schedule. I think issue one's going to hit the schedule. I think that's going to be out on June 7th, as as predicted. Oh, that's going to be out on uh, Mick Foley's birthday. Ah, what a horrible present to get for someone who has a birthday on June 7th. <laughs> that is the worst gift ever. But, uh, yeah, I, I like you said, you're going to track it, not so much buy it. So. Right. But. And then the last bit of business that I have to discuss in regards to the Marvel solicitations before we move on to the next um, story. So the way that I do my Marvel books these days is like, you know, I have my books that I get, right? Mm-hmm. And I pull, you know, just like the individual list, like here's a shipping on week one, two, three, four, five, whatever. And then if I see that there's any new number ones, I'll be like, oh, is this like a character or a world or something that I read? Right. Or a creator even. Okay. So that's the thing. When I'm looking at these, I don't see the creator because I'm not looking at the full solicitations. It's literally, gotcha. it's literally just a list. It's like, here's the date. Here's the 10 books that are coming out this date. You know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So then if it's a new number one and I don't recognize what the title is trying to tell me that it is, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to go read the solicitation to see what's about. And that's how I came upon Shipping in August is Marvel Unleashed by friend of the show and someone that we're a big fan of, Kyle Starks, and the artist Jesus Hervas are doing a pet Avengers book. You could have you could have told me you could have stopped to Kyle Starks and I would have bought it. But yeah, um, that that's very interesting. I saw it today because DJ had tweeted it out. He saw it somewhere, and, right. uh, or retweeted it. Right. So I saw it when the solicitations came out on Monday. Uh, I saw Kyle tweeted out saying like, "Oh, I guess this out there. I'm announcing this right." Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a book I would have bought regardless of Kyle's involvement because I'm a sucker for the Pet Avengers. <clears throat> not not my I don't know I'm more of the DC animals than I am the Marvel animals you know even though so, DC has way too many gorillas but go ahead <laughs> forgive my language but I feel as though DC has bastardized their pet line what they have doubly done so I liked when you had you got the super pets you got the bat dog you got you got a couple extras right mm-hmm. and listen I would never begrudge uh, Art Baltazar and Franco collected a paycheck, but they did like a kids book where they gave literally every DC hero and villain a pet. Yeah, but that's not canon. It's not like you know Lex Luthor's going to have his parakeet, you know, every issue that he's in in uh, in the recent Superman. You know what I mean? Okay, we're first of all we're muddying the waters. Mm-hmm. And second of all, they were overwriting some of the already established pet canology that was out there. Uh, I guess. Then the animated Legion of Super Pets movie comes out, mm-hmm. and that's like a, now a third thing of stuff. Like now Wonder Woman is a pig, and you know all this other nonsense, right? She always had a kangaroo. Stop. It. She always had a kangaroo. Exactly. Now she's a pig, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Marvel, easy. You know, we add some new people. People don't get uh, ousted. You're always going to be good for, 
somebody having a dog. You're going to be good for Lockjaw being in there. You're going to be good for uh, Thor the Frog of Thunder. And for this, they've added uh, Chewie, that cat alien thing that's in the... The Flurkin. Uh, the the Flurkin, right. A dog uh, cursed? We have to edit that out? Is no. It? Okay. Red Wing... Uh, Lucky the Pizza Dog from the Hawkeye books. There's no way Lucky the Pizza Dog can't be in that. All right. <laughs> Bats the Ghost Dog. I don't know who that is. Doctor Strange. Okay. And they're debuting D-Dog, which I can only imagine is Demolition Man's dog. D-Man, yeah. D-Man, could... right? Mm-hmm. And they're taking on Craven, which I actually, I of all the times that they've done Pet Avengers things, <laughs> I don't think they've ever gone against Craven. I w- I hope Craven hunts them all down. That's his. That's the gimmick of the book. Like he's gonna go hunt the pet Avengers. Mm-hmm. That's to me what would be great. But listen, I'm with. I I get what you're saying. Marvel has a less diluted pool of animals, which I don't care about. But DC has Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew and the just a lot of animals that wins hands down. So and then you throw right, and then I think DC just has too many. I think DC doesn't have enough. I think Franco and Balthazar were right. You get a super pet, and you get a super pet. So I'm down with that. All right. Um, yeah, but I'm excited about this book. Uh, again, I'm glad to see Kyle having a book going on at the same time at, like, Image, and he just wrapped something up at Dark Horse, and he's got something going on at Marvel, and he's got something going on at DC. He's a busy guy. He's the next big thing. I'm mm-hmm. glad he got the Longbox Heroes bump, man. Right. I'm glad we hitched our wagon to him before he became a superstar. Right. I don't know. I think it's, you know, he's a big fan of yours, so we never have to worry about it. <laughs> Last but not least, you know, we've talked about some of the other books that are spinning out of Dawn of DC, and it was teased in the end of Green Lantern number one, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. Uh, when we get into what we read from this past week, but I guess also in the Dawn of DC primer that came out um, for free comic book day, we're going to be getting a John Stewart Green Lantern book as well called Green Lantern War Journal uh, coming mm-hmm. out in September. Right. Though I I, th- I think the pre the DC Dawn of uh, Dawn of DC primer came out today and w- weird it wasn't on free comic. Book oh, day. I thought there was a free comic book day thing with it. There w- there was the only free comic book day thing was the what's the the big crossover with the bad dreams night you know uh, night terrors. Okay, this comes out today and there's a cool it's free but there's a cool foil cover of it that I kind of want but uh, <laughs> so. Ah, uh, that's it. You know, I just I, I I'm we'll, we'll you know and we'll that we'll get into that as well when we get into what we read from this past week, uh, in regards to my feelings in regards to uh, the new Green Lantern book as well. Okay, I'm looking forward to what you thought of it. So <laughs> yes, I have a feeling it was amazing. But anyway, all right. Well, uh, we got conventions this weekend. Conventions took a week off. Now they're back uh, with the vengeance. Uh, we have the Tidewater Comic Con in Virginia Beach, Virginia this weekend. Uh, more of your straight fa- uh, comic book fair. Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, uh, Adam Kubert, Jim Shooter, and the aforementioned Art Balthazar. Right. Um, I, I don't know that. if you saw Jimmy Palmiotti's tweet earlier today as no. we're recording this. Um, he's like, hey, just in case people haven't gotten the hint, 
Amanda's no longer doing commissions anymore just because she's so busy. And for her to take time out of the work that she's doing to be able to turn around a commission to make it worth her while, she would need to charge at least five grand for a commission, and she doesn't feel comfortable doing so. And somebody will give it to her. And, so, and that's the thing. So somebody would give it to her, but she's also trying to make her deadlines as well, which I'm might my, my I doff my John Cena cap to her for putting deadlines above all else. Right. Because we don't do international cons right now during the con news, but there's one con every year in Italy called the Lake Como, like, you know, art con. And they fly all the big stuff, like a stars over there and they do a con. And then like this year, they get big bucks. It's like, here's, you know, Cho and, and, and like all these guys that never do commissions. Like, but if you come over here, I'll do a commission and it's big prices. And this is the first year where they did, all right, we're going to have a list for everybody. And this is their prices for all our guests. But the first slot on all their lists is a bidding war. So you're guaranteed the spot. And I was like, oh, this is the new, this is going to be the new thing. This is going to be the new thing that's going to turn prices even more out of control. Um, so I look forward to more of that. But uh, uh, yeah, this con's cool too because I like uh, the, the Tidewater one. Has Adriana Palacki, or I don't know how to say her last name. She was the one who was Wonder Woman in that uh, that pilot special. Oh, it's on the wheel. Yeah, but uh, she's there. And maybe her ex-husband is at another one this week, which, you know, we'll see. Oh, and that, I don't, I don't dig, you know, I don't get everyone, you know, uh, on the list. I can't, I just, you know, pick the folks I would like. So kudos to you, Todd, for digging a little bit deeper on that one, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario, Canada. That's about as international as we get here. Uh, Chris Claremont, Dustin Nguyen, Weiss Portacio, Derek Robertson, uh, Jim Starlin, Marv Wolfman are going to be there, and the former... Uh, Sasha Banks Mercedes Monet is going to be there with a smile on her face, happy to meet and greet her fans. Right. And at this one, too, Scott Grimes, the aforementioned Wonder Woman's ex-husband from Orville, (laughs) is going to be there. So they're running, you know, different circuits. And then isn't Egg from Arrested Development going to be there, too? Uh, Mae Whitman's going to be there. Uh, And I think she played Egg on Arrested Development. So I'd like to go to a con and just ignore her. You know her? Oh, egg. What? Her? Or why is she? Or is pronouns? <laughs> that was the gimmick that they would always do in the show. Oh yeah, that's right. Come on. <laughs> no, see, I was, I, I didn't know. I didn't remember who it was we were talking about. The person, anyway. Then we have in Novi, Michigan, outside of Detroit, I would assume, is the Motor City Comic Con. Biggie, lots of big names, lots of media folks. Uh, Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, uh, Pete Tomasi, Simon Bisley are uh, going to be at this one. Also on the media guest side, we've got Brett Spiner of Night Court fame. That and nothing else. Nothing else as far as I can remember. Uh, Michael Rooker of Mall Rats fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Amell of the TV show Heels fame. <laughs> right. Uh, Carl Weathers of Arrested Development fame. He's going to be there getting paid in uh, Bones. He's going to make a nice stew going. Uh, Christopher Lloyd of Taxi fame is going to be mm-hmm. there. And speaking of, of Taxi fame, Tony Danz is going to be there. Oh, the guy who never plays anybody uh, not named Tony in a movie. <laughs> but do you uh, know who the most important person is going to be there, Joe? I William? do. Mick Foley is going to be there. Oh, forget him. William Daniels is going to be there. I don't know who that is. 
There's going to be uh, the, the, he was the voice of Kit in Knight Rider, and oh. was one of those uh, one of those the guy who made the zombie movies. Didn't he do Knight Rider? Your Knight Rider is plural. No, he did the talking car thing. Night no. of the Dead and the talking car thing. I would watch a George Romero Knight Rider TV show. I'll just say that. I also I almost called him Caesar Romero, but oh anyway, God, that was his brother. <laughs> Had the mustache, love it. But go ahead. Uh, uh, Mick Foley's going to be there. going to get a Mark photo? No, I'm not going. To, I don't go to these conventions no more. I ain't going to no Detroit this weekend. Mm, lovely town. Lovely town. <laughs> I, listen, I'm currently dressed for downtown Detroit, but <laughs> um, the links to all of these conventions will be in the show notes, uh, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where anytime any of the shows in the network go live or any folks from those shows go on other shows, you could find that information here at soon-to-be-named-network.com. And those shows include this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, uh, Wings on Wings, Hayabussy, <laughs> and Ed from Hayabussy has been going out and about. He's doing more podcasts than I do. Wow, that's saying something. Right. He was just on the stink sheet this past week. And for those of you uh, who are missing, because you only got one episode of Hiya Bussy so far, um, <laughs> this week's uh, episode of the stink sheet, I would say, is like Hiya Bussy 1.5. Right. And Hiya Bussy now on multiple platforms. Yes. Uh, thanks to my uh, diligence <laughs> this past weekend. Right. I'm glad it's not just Spotify anymore. No, it's no longer Spotify exclusive, sadly. That's what was keeping me from listening to it, Joe. Right. I ain't downloading no stinky Spotify. <laughs> listen, I, I was using <laughs> Spotify through a web browser, so listen. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you can check out some of our other friends that are doing stuff online here as well. Uh, you can go check out Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out Kevin Hellion's blog at MaskLibrary.com. You can go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's Indiegogo for Jupiter Number 1. Uh, he is constantly pushing toward that $6,000 goal, and I think he's going to get it. Uh, go check out Chris Runt's FortressOfComicNews.com. And while you're over there, purchase a copy of his self-published comic, Battle Monsters Number 1. Uh, I want to double-check right now just to see if... Uh, yep. So I wanted to double-check because there was a time where Keeper was out of print. Uh, but go check out our friend Davey of the band Cave People and artist Rose Sovia's uh, self-published comic, Keeper over at keepercomic.bigcartel.com. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Uh, go check out their Facebook page. Probably one of the few reasons to still have a Facebook page. Uh, right. Dave and the crew will let you know when the books have arrived, when the store is open, when the final order cutoff dates and new and exciting books are becoming available. 
sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And when you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her art, her process, her commissions, and so forth on her social media, which is all linked up in the show notes here as well. Right. And there's one last um, bit of news that I forgot to mention because it was a late-breaking one that I didn't put in the notes, but you mentioned it, so we got to deal with it. Uh, at the upfronts this week, they did give us some dates for some of the Disney Plus shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that the new season of Loki will start streaming on October 6th of this year. Right. And it says that the entire series of Echo will come out on November 29th. That seems very weird. That's very interesting. One would have to think that they are dropping. So both of these shows were originally on the schedule for summer 2023, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously things are now finally just getting caught back up with, you know, COVID and things getting delayed and so forth. I would guess with no other information that the reason that the entire series of Echo is coming out in one dump is that something else that kisses right up against it close that we can't have it get spoiled by Echo being a serialized TV show. That could be, but I will say, and I didn't get to talk about it or will talk about it on After Dark, was I watched the Electric Mayhem show on Disney+. Plus. Oh, the the Muppets deal. Yep, about the band, the house show from the Muppets, and I watched the whole thing, and they dropped that, the whole thing, in one day. Which might be Disney Plus, like maybe they're trying something out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know because that kind of shocked me. It was like, oh, that everybody's like, blah blah blah. That you know, the Electric Mayhem is dropping today. So I, I went on, and I just turned it on. I was like, oh, well, one episode, two episodes. Do you want to watch the next episode? And I was like, well, I'm watching all ten in one shot. So, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. From here on out, we'll get. Uh, occasionally, a, a drop all at once, or maybe uh, some shows. You know put them out once a week i don't know we'll see and again it'll be interesting to see why this is the one that they chose Mm -hmm. i'm gonna hope that it's not because they're lacking confidence in the source material um but we still got another six months before we six and a half months before we really have to worry about that you know yeah but if wilson fisk and daredevil is in it's gonna make money Right, and maybe there's a like because they're in it, we can't have that trickle out or not get spoiled or what right, have you. Something, something. Yeah. Uh, so that's enough news. That's enough plugs. Let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? I'd like to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Green Lantern number one, um, written by Jeremy Adams, art by Zermonico. I think that's how you say it, but I'm gonna go with it. Um, and they do do like at least a uh, an interesting job of giving you like a the backstory on one page. You know, um, the basic gist of it is that something's happened to the Guardians, and the United Planets have taken over like space uh, policing. So they kind of said that like the humans are bad, so we're going to send the Green Lanterns back to their home planet, and they apparently they don't have powers but it starts with green lantern hal jordan having his ring but then we get a bit of a flashback 
and we find out that he doesn't have it and we find out how he ends up getting it, it back from this. But the, the fun part of it for me is seeing how come back to not be a green lantern and kind of live his life. And he goes and he mucks up Carol Ferris's life. And he wants to be like this crazy jet jockey again, that kind of doesn't fly in literally no pun intended uh, this day and age. And he's Hal is pretty much a, a, a bit of a jerk. Um, and I don't mind it. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but that's the upfront story. But I, I love the art and I think the art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but I, I, I like where this seems to, to be going. We get a one-shot. He fights you know, with a villain that's you know, kind of somehow related to his past. But uh, I don't know. I like the flashbacks into the present and the whole story we get about how he gets his ring back. And um, I'm really enjoying it. And we'll get to the back story in a second. Uh, did you like it at all, Joe? I liked this. Okay. Very back-to-basics. Mm-hmm. very much as a soft reboot of the Hal Jordan characters you possibly can get. Right. Um, you know, I, I tweeted the other day with my tweet, not the cover of days with my CLZ app and everything mm-hmm. um, that, listen, if you were to make me choose between, am I a flash guy or a green lantern guy? I'm going to say I'm a flash guy, but only a Wally West flash guy. That but sounds good. If I'm a green lantern guy, I could pick or choose pretty much any of them. You know, I like Hal. Uh, you know, I like John Stewart. I like Guy Gardner. I like Sinestro. I like Kilowog. And I can go right on down the list. Mm-hmm. And, and I had said that there's been so many a times where they've attempted, you know, however many times over the last 30 years, that they've attempted to bring Barry Allen back and give him a personality. And I don't feel as though any of them have really stuck. Right. Whereas, and this is not a knock on The Flash, it's not a knock on Barry Allen. If Barry Allen's your favorite Flash, that's great. But so many of those Silver Age characters, their personality was their superpower and or their job. And it was no more than that, right? Yep. And I feel as though over the last same amount of time that they've attempted to give Hal Jordan a personality. And I think that's worked, whereas them giving Barry Allen a personality hasn't worked. Right. Did you ever I ever tell you my theory on why it didn't work for Barry? No. Okay, it's it's very simple. You're right. You're 100% right. The Silver Age Thanks everyone. There was a great episode. Let's right. right. The Silver Age was your superpower and your job. Clark Kent was a reporter, you know, Flash was the scientist, whatever. But what happened was they killed Barry in the 80s when DC was just about to have one of its renaissances again. So they kill Barry and they bring Wally in. Now they start giving all their characters' personalities. Hal, Ollie, Moore, Clark, Bat, like all of it. And, and they give Wally the personality for the Flash because these, you know, like I said, the renaissance of writing. Now when the year whatever during uh, Final Crisis and they bring back Barry, he's still his all he's ever been is his job and his powers and they're like we have to give him a personality now and it kind of falls flat because it's 20 years too late if that makes any sense we should have did it with with him when we were doing it with wally but i'm with you wally's the better flash followed by jay then barry so yeah and it's 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 no fault of Barry's. It's just that the other ones, like, how did Jay Garrick get a better personality than Barry Allen? Right, because he was around during Mark Wade's run. Well, so was Barry Allen. Right. 
Oh, no, he was Technically. Wasn't. Technically, yeah, true. Um. So anyway, we're, we're talking, sure, sure, talking a lot about Flash in this Green Lantern book. Um, yep. But again, return to basics, kind of reset the stages, putting the pieces back on there, and doing so simply. So mm-hmm. many of these Dawn of DC books that are having new number ones are spinning directly out of whatever this big giant event that happened was that I didn't read. Right. And I felt getting into the Green Era one was like a a little tiny bit tougher than this. Right. More daunting, definitely. Like a little bit. Like if Green Green Arrow on a scale of one to ten, daunting coming out of the recent event was a five, then this is like a two. Yeah, and I would say Superman was a one. And Superman was a one because Superman is Superman, right? Right. Batman was was untouched by whatever the event was because Batman lives in his own separate corner of the DC universe, right? Right. It's the corner of the DC universe that makes money. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's why I'm looking forward to Flash spinning out of 800 and this. Like, but I'm with you. I feel like this with this new DC line, Dawn of DC, like whoever's editing everything is just like back to basics, baby. Right. No more. Like, keep it simple, stupid. And, you know, and, and, like, there was, like, little things in the book that I got, like, eh, let's say a kick. Okay, so, essentially, you would mention it in your write-up is that the Green Lantern Corps, the Guardians, have been replaced by, um, uh, what Planet. is it, the United Planets, right? Mm-hmm. And Hal's just like, uh, like, I jokingly say, it's like, I'll take orders for the Guardians under protest, but mm-hmm. I'm certainly not taking orders from you, right? Right. And their whole thing is like, nope, no Green Lanterns can go to Earth, Sector 2814, because it's too volatile, it's too whatever, right? Right. I'm sure if I read that storyline, I'd know why. But it don't matter, because it's just like, they they just like, yep, that's it, and it's done, you know? Yep. Um, I, I did like the bit where, and again, I like the bit, maybe a little too on the nose, where Hal is listening to the radio, and it just be, happens to be like music that's playing that moves the plot along. More of a TV movie device sort of thing, but I get what they were going for, you know? Yep, it was like a scene out of basketball. Yeah, those things play a little bit better in multimedia as opposed to the printed page. Mm -hmm. Um, Hal enjoying a nice cold soda. Oh, that's definitely a a rewrite. Right, right. I'm just like, oh, that sticks out like a sore thumb, you know? But no, but Hal is uh, recovering, you know? Yeah, he he had a DUI. Yep. So he doesn't drink anymore while he's um, whatever doing stuff. Uh, you know, obviously I like the bit with, I like the chemistry with him and Carol, him bringing up Carol's past as of, you know, uh, what was she like? The purple lanterns, violet lanterns. Right. Yes. The indigos, I think. The indigo lanterns. Um, the guy who bought the Manhunter armor off Tarifa Bay. Bro, I have to add that to the list. Ugh. Again, a little groany, but, you know, and obviously the cover has him looming in the background. The solicitation (laughs) text says that he's the man responsible for ruining Hal's life. And then there's the bit where he's sitting in the shadows with a hoodie pulled over him. Um, You know, when everyone in the bar is like, yay, the Green Lantern's back, you know? That one shot of the close-up on his face is fantastic. (sighs) And, and Todd, I'm not going to have you say that once I got to that page, which is maybe about six pages into the book, I would have been like, okay, I'm on board. Sinestro's back, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And 
So, um, Green Arrow was not on my original pull list for Dawn of DC stuff. It's on my list now. Right. Green Lantern was not on my list of stuff uh, for the Dawn of DC stuff. It's on my list now. Yep. Um, I'm afraid that like more and more of these things are going to be speaking to me as you know old, a 30 plus year reader of the DC yep. books. Yep, it's back to basics, like we said. Um, but there's also backup in this too, um, which we said will be spinning out and getting its own book. It's uh, John, and I like because John is another one. John Stewart he doesn't have his ring, and he's just at home. Uh, with his uh, mom and he's like taking care of her and I like that as an architect he's building or something in his backyard and he says like oh like I- I'm I'm happy to just be here and do nothing you know what I mean and then we get like a little bit more where it says another universe another time and an alternate guy Gardner um, something's coming and we find out whatever it was that that's coming john stewart uh, the john stewart of this universe who has passed apparently stopped whatever was coming before by killing its relative and now they want a chunk of john and i'm like i will say the art in that was absolutely beautiful um i have who it is here one second give me uh the art was by montos and i was like okay i really love the look of this and the writer was philip kennedy johnson and i'm like you know what? I don't know. I might pick this up too, just to give it a try. You know, I really like the backup story. I didn't like it as much as the Hal story, but I'm not as much as the John Stewart guy. Um, but I'll see where it goes. Absolutely, and that's the only thing that I worry about is mm-hmm. with the Green Lantern book being as good as the Al Jordan Green Lantern book being as good as it is. Right. The uh, Green Arrow book being as good as it is. When the John Stewart book comes out, mm-hmm. and that's good, it's like how many of these DC books am I going to be on the hook for again? You know, right? With the restart with Flash, and yeah. God only knows what else. You know, the at least it's a miniseries, the Fire and Ice book. Hey, it's all good. We're going to be buying so much DC, Joe. If I was to show you my DC versus my Marvel list these days, it's not even well, funny. I have to actually talk to you about Night Terrors at some point. So, um. I'm looking at Night Terror until we get the August solicitations for DC. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Night Terrors as a nice lean month off. By not getting any of it? Not getting any of it. I'm of the mind that I'm going to get the four issue mini, anything that's written by Joshua Williamson, mm-hmm. and anything that's like, because there's a Shazam one that's written by Mark Wade. Right. So my thing is is it being written by the current ongoing creative yep. team of that book? Right. Yes, I'm picking it up. Right. And I looked at like one just off the top of my head is Nightwing is not Tom King. So I pass on that. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the way I'm doing it. And if I showed you my month still, uh, you'd be very sad at how big it is for for DC. Yeah. Um, Let's save Amazing Spider-Man for last. Let's get into saga number 64. Okay. Uh, Since we both read that for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is the continuation of Hazel. You know, we got our multiple storylines going on. Um, the Hazel and Prince Robot were tasked by Miss Vich to break into some place to get more of whatever that is mm-hmm. that um, she would be able to bring their father back to life. Right. Okay. Um, in doing so, we find out that all this time, Prince Robot has had the ability to talk. Yes, that kind of blew me away. Spoilers, everyone, for Saga number 64. 
Um, and he does so in attempting to save Hazel's life. We know about, you know, they're, you know, uh, they're not brother and sister by blood, but they're brother and sister by, you know, circumstance, circumstance. We know Prince Robot's feelings for Hazel on obviously what he would do to protect her and everything else. They've had discussions about this. And now that he's realized now that we realize that he could talk. I'm sure there'll be more discussions to be had in regards to this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, while uh, Hazel and Prince Robot are doing so uh, to get this stuff, which I forget what it's called, um, they are stopped by a constable who essentially tells them that it's all a lie. Right. Literally one of the hot cops. Right. <laughs> Literally one of the hot cops. Great character design on that on the yep. constable as well, right? Right. We've seen them before. I love that look. Um, and he essentially says that it doesn't actually bring people back to life. Um, it just makes you see them again. And the more that you take, the longer you see them for, but they're not actually back. Um, you know, and he, he kind of alludes to a similar situation that he was in. Um, and that's how he knows this, but we don't know who this guy is. Can he be trusted? Is he just saying this to throw the kids off the scent? so that he could keep this for himself, or whatever it is, right? Right. I will say on the Prince Robot thing in this yes. whole section, before we go on anything else, I feel like he has the ability to talk now because of the certain act that he did. Okay, you think that awoken something in him? Yes, I have a feeling we're going to find out like whether it's something with his people, or whatever, or that like knocking something loose in his head is going to be a big deal. I don't know. That's just a, a theory I have. Not saying you know I have any inside information or anything, but I like I, I did like everything that you said so far. Uh, we have the story that was in the upfront where one of the bounty hunters has tracked down one of the people that were on the last set of ships that from the band, oh, yeah, right from the band. Um, so it looks like they are getting closer and closer to tracking down Hazel and Prince Robot and Elena. And then Elena finds herself in a circumstance where she is able to get the kids and herself safe passage, safe work, um, and no questions asked. But she's got 30 minutes to do so, and she does not know that the kids are off on this adventure, whatever it is. Right. Uh, So this is, and again, I don't know off the top of my head if like the next issue is the end of a current story arc, you know, I think it is. Cause I know in the next, the next previews that came, the, definitely the previews that came out this month doesn't have a saga in it. And I okay. think the last one did. Does, so, okay. Either. So we, so this was 64. We're solicited up to 66, which is in um, the end of June, because remember the book fell behind a little bit. Right, right. Okay. As it stands currently, we've got two issues coming out in June. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning of the month, end of the month, and then that's the end of the current story arc. So, like, we're right in the middle of something big going on, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say, I only have one nitpick in this book, and it's a side part of the story that we're not, we're not going to get into too much. But I do not like when anybody does a long part of the story and has two people talking in a language I can't understand. And yeah, and they don't give, like, uh, context uh, clues. They don't give any sort of, Yeah. Right. I got a couple of gist of what was going on, but I'm like, okay. And it's not even like, okay, if I feel like learning, like, you know, Spanish, maybe I can learn what's going on here. 
this is a space language, I'm pretty sure. So there's no way I can decipher it, if that makes any sense. So never was never a fan of that. Not as much as the fake accent written in comics, but, you know, that's still not a fan. Right. So. Uh, so last but not least is Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Now, I will say spoilers are out there. Mm-hmm. And I had this spoiled for me. Okay. I had this spoiled, not that I follow them, but it was right off of Marvel's own Twitter account. This morning, Marvel tweets out, hey, everyone, be careful, there's spoilers out there. And then by the time it hits like six o'clock, they're like, yeah, here's the cover of the Fallen Friend issue. <laughs> um, so again, it's issue 25, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr., all of the advertising and all of the everything has been set up to make you believe that Mary Jane is going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this weird godlike character that has been pursuing um, Spider-Man. Um, Mary Jane sacrifices herself, and I say sacrifices herself, jumps in front of whatever portal gun he's going to shoot uh, Peter with. Um, she, in our time, Peter's time is gone for a couple days. And over the last couple issues, we've been seeing Peter scramble and definitely not being himself and definitely kind of like going again, like he broke into the Baxter building. He punched Captain America in the face. He's really been not acting himself because Mary Jane is in danger as far as he knows, doesn't know where she's gone to. She got blasted by a ray. She's gone. Well, she gets zipped off to this other dimension, and in the time that she's there, she's there for four years. Right. And while she's there, she meets a guy. They get into a relationship. They find these two abandoned kids that they adopt for (laughs) themselves. So now she comes back, and she has this whole other life that she's lived for the last four years. Right. But what they don't know is during the course of the time that we're there, and obviously we can't, they don't go over the full four years that she's gone mm-hmm. in this issue, but they do go over the major bits of it. And there's a part with the guy that she met where he meant, we just see a part where they're definitely having an argument. He's sitting on a bed and it's just him saying, I should have told you. We don't know what that is. Okay. But obviously there's your, there's your red herring that you're going to sink your hooks into of something, right? Mm-hmm. So Mary Jane, the kids, and this guy come back. She and Peter are having a heart-to-heart. Peter's having a very difficult time dealing with this information, but he's not going to have a lot of time to deal with this information because whatever was chasing Peter in the first place, whatever zapped Mary Jane off to this other dimension that she and this other guy and the kids have been battling for the last four years has now come through to our world again. Okay. And he comes through with saying, I am here to take down Mary Jane. So obviously, it is so on the nose the whole time. I'm like, it can't be that they're killing Mary Jane. They're Mm -hmm. being too uh, obtuse about this. Being so in your face. Issue 25 had no less than 12 different variant covers. All different Mary Jane whatevers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say if it is Mary Jane that dies or not. I'm going to say that there's spoilers out there. I am bummed that I had it spoiled on me. I'm not going to say that I'm right or I'm wrong or whatever it is. 
I'm interested to see what's going to happen next. I've been enjoying Zeb Wells' Spider-Man run here for a while. Um, you know, obviously very different than what Nick Spencer was doing on it as the last long-term writer on it. Um, but it's Amazing Spider-Man. Outside of, like, a little period of time, it's the book that I've been collecting all my life. Right. Yeah, because I ended up finding out, you know, how it went down and what was going on. And I was like, oh, okay. So I won't say too much because, like you said, you, we don't want to spoil it. But I was like, ah, I, I have a feeling that uh, death never really sticks in comics anyway, unless you're Uncle Ben. So who knows? But uh, I'll say... I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't think, you know, anything any with all these that don't mind me. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil anything. Right. And that's the thing. It's not my place to spoil any of this, you know? Right. Um, right. But if Marvel themselves want to spoil it, then that's up to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday, we put up the around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently, um, I'm sorry, I'm currently in the lead <laughs> over Todd with three correct guesses, excuse me. It's almost like I ate something that's given me some sort of complications. Um, Again, I'm in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd. Um, You go first. Yes, I'm looking over your list, and I'm just going to shoot my shot and say, is the book you're looking forward to most Titans number one? It is Titans number one, and I'm going to guess that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. Yes, um, but I'm going to ask you a favor. All right. I'm kind of want to know how Avengers is next week, too. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where um, uh, Jed McKay is the writer, and they were kind of advertising it initially as saying, uh, you know, we talked before about a lot of the DC, Dawn of DC stuff or Back to Basics stuff. Um, They're kind of sort of saying that this Avengers book is a Back to Basics Avengers book, but what that exactly means, I don't know. Um, because like, I love Jason Aaron and his Avengers did not work for me in the slightest. You know what? I am exactly the same way. I thought as I was reading his Avengers book, like I gave it a try, man. And I, I went pretty far. I I went into a couple of the, the, like the prehistoric Avengers books. And I was like, okay, I preferred those one shot stories more to what was going on in the book. And in the end, I felt like everything was like a puff superhero book. It was like, there was nothing with any deepness or fang. It was just like, here's a superhero book that I've read a million times and didn't like it. And I want an Avengers book back in my life. So I probably going to at least read this for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's, it's definitely on the list of stuff. It's, uh, you know, I gotcha. I just figured I'd mention it. Um, so the, and I, did I say the, you, you said Titans and I said Titans for what yeah, we're you, we, to, right? you said you're, you was like, yeah, yours is Titans. So I was like, yeah, yeah. It's uh written by Tom Taylor. It's spinning out, spinning out of the current Nightwing book, uh, mm-hmm. as beautiful art by Nicola Scott, um, who, you know, hasn't had an opportunity to shine on a major book in forever. Yeah. 
And, you know, hopefully the strength of how good Nightwing is and the Titans property is good enough to help, you know, give her the chance that she needs to, you know, get to that next level to become the superstar artist that, like, she probably has been for, like, the last 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at least in our little, like, corner of the comic book world. Right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we're doing there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and of course, the ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are rereading from the beginning Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and we're not just going through issues 1 through 75. Of course, this episode is a perfect example of that. Um, as we are reading the uh, Sandman special one-shot, uh, which should have been read several weeks ago in the chronological order of things, and the uh, Sandman statue one-pager thing, yep. uh, which was a Neil Gaiman-penned thing, um, that was only on the side of the first Bowen Morpheus statue that yep. was released in 1991. Yep. And I absolutely love it because like we're doing this because as I was reading Sandman, I went back and got this statue. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like get it right out of the gate. And when I got it and found out that there was a little story on the side, it was like dessert, you know what I mean? <laughs> to my Sandman statue meal. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I love that like Neil even thought of it, you know, it just, just fascinating. Um, uh, so I, I, I always like that, but, uh, we get, basically it starts out that, uh, there have been three statues and that we, that's been chronicled over the years of Sandman. And the first one was like found by this man. Um, and it was in, you know, Timbuktu and it states that it was like carved from a single lump of volcanic glass and it showed a tall black man riding this prehistoric animal. And basically that's all we really know because, you know, it's lost to time after that. And I was like, okay, cool. The second one, we get more information about, uh, and I like that, you know, the uh, description of them is pretty much like on the nose, like, you know, pale uh, uh, has, uh, uh, a small ruby set and stuff like that. And it was maybe dressed in Chinese uh, uh, robes and stuff like that. It had a scroll with like these, like that said sleep, hope and dreaming. And through a series of events, it ended up at the Vatican. Um, and, you know, the, that's one of those things that's in the archives. You're never going to see it again. If it is there, we can't like really prove it. Um, you get the, the bit on the third statue and, you know, it was carved from ivory and they tell the story of it, how it was found here and it went away and it popped up, you know, years later. And then it just disappeared off the map until 1944 while London was being bombed, it opened up a crypt and the statue was back in there and like, they don't know how it was got there because it was all sealed up and you know they give you like the the people who document these things so it gets you into the story and then in the end um they say that the stat this statue is the only one out there that you can see and it's currently in the british or in the british museum vaults um uh, not on public display but randy bowen kelly jones and myself were given access to it on four separate occasions to create the replica you see here the painted colors of the original have however faded beyond recall and those you see now 
um, we uh, are, are forced to admit are more inspired than uh, more guesswork than, you know, the actual thing um, in all other aspects. This is authentic and it's even signed by Neil Gaiman. So we know the story's true, Joe. It's true. <laughs> it's, I love it, that he gave an origin to the, to the statue. Yeah. And as I look at it on my shelf now, I love it that it's that I have the, the true origin of it documented, you know, how it changed hands. Uh, again, just a just a genius is Neil Gaiman in the way that if I'm going to put out some sort of merchandise mm-hmm. um, that's associated with my book, it's going to be worthwhile, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And sp- Speaking of gimmicks that are worthwhile, um, onto the Sandman number one special. Yes. Um, Orpheus, written by Neil Gaiman, obviously, and art by Brian Talbot and uh, Mark Buckingham. This has a gimmick cover. Um, and I'm guessing, I don't know if you're reading it in the trade or if you have the single issue in your hand, Joe. The trade. The trade. Um, do you remember the gimmick for the cover? Wasn't it like a fifth ink sort of deal? It was a glow-in-the-dark cover. Oh, glow-in-the-dark. Even better. So it had, like, if you look at the cover, it has all this stuff on the front, like, with various, like, it looks like eyes and blah, 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 and there's, like, words covering over each of the thing. So if you hold the thing up to the light, um, Sandman, and you take it into the dark, Sandman's face appears out of all those, like, wacky lines, and then it says, um, in dreams, I walk with you, like, the, the other words disappear because they're not, you know, uh, glow in the dark, and that becomes the cover. Joe, this is my favorite gimmick cover of all time because it works. It's like it's Sandman's face appears, and you get a little, like, one line written by Neil, and I'm like, I'm this favorite gimmick cover of all time. Uh, so the story basically is, uh, Orpheus, his son, he's, you know, floating in the water, yelling for uh, a woman. And I like that Sandman shows up and he's like, wake up, it's your wedding day. And I like the way Sandman uses dreams. Like we would use the telephone back in the day. (laughs) It's like, oh, I gotta show up. It's surreal. He's drowning. And like Sandman ain't saving him. He's just talking to him. He's like, come on, we, we got to go. And he's like, well, I was floating in the ocean yelling to my soon-to-be wife. Does it mean something? He's like, dreams always, you know, mean something. He's like, you're saying it could be the future? He's like, perhaps. Just go wake up because your wedding's coming, right? I, I like with, and again, who's the uh, artist on this? I don't have it right here in Brian front of me. Talbot and Mark Buckingham as okay. well, artist and anchor. How through the course of this, Morpheus's eyes change color. <laughs> this is a different Morpheus than we are used to reading now some 30 some odd pay- issues into the story. This is um a Morpheus that has been around for a very long time and we'll get a little bit more into that as well. Right, cuz I'm going to mention like the art in a little bit, especially the way uh, Orpheus is portrayed, or Morpheus is portrayed, you know what I mean? Right, this could get confusing with Orpheus being Sandman, mm-hmm. and or yeah, Morpheus being Sandman, and Orpheus being his son. So basically I'm going to call him Dream, you know what I mean? Alright, or so Sandy. Sandy. And also there's a lot of in this, because it's Greeky, old Greeky time, um, that the, all the, like, the endless are the Greek names, you know what I mean? Which I'm not even going to try to pronounce, Joe. Um, so he wakes up and it's his, his, you know, uh, wedding day and he meets his, his friend who is, uh, a, a satyr, um, his, it's Aristius. I'm just going to call the satyr. 
Um, he's like, oh, we get to, you know, go to the wedding. He's like, the satyr's like, I'm happy. It's been a while since I've been to a wedding. And, I, you know, I, I miss my wife since the wedding. She was very beautiful. Um, and it's like, oh, I didn't know you were married. And he's like, I'm sorry. And they go on and he's like, okay, well, let's go. And he's like, I can't wait for this. The satyr's like, there's going to be wine, partying, a sacrifice. He's like, nope, no sacrifices. He's like, oh, I, you know, no blood. He's like, okay, this will still be fun. So they get to the wedding. Calliope shows up and he's like, oh, he's so happy to see her. And he's like, is my dad going to be here? He's like, I wouldn't miss the wedding of my son. Where's your wife? You bring it down. Her name is Eurydice. Eurydice. I don't know how to say that name, but his wife is like there and they greet him. And I like that they all like start giving her hugs and everything. And this is the part where I'm going to go by uh, Talbot's art is dream is such like this is the dream that hasn't changed yet as you said such a stick in the mud joe just like he's a block of wood standing there no like emotion on his face no nothing it's like oh like my father's here oh and his sister death you know and she's like not only death not just me but all of us and all the endless are there and hey there's somebody we haven't seen before joe all right before you get there I want to just say, uh, whatever Death's name is in the Greek stuff here, mm-hmm. uh, Telete, um, our friend David, who's a longtime listener of the show, mm-hmm. uh, he'll yell at me because that's his uh, Twitter handle, good buddy. Oh, okay. Yes, um, that's where he got it from. Um, and I love that panel at the bottom of the page where the entire Endless family is there. Mm-hmm. Such an awesome panel. I like uh, Desire being very punk, Joe. Uh, and again, Desire is very punk, and I guess we would say Mania, at least? Delirium? Yeah, oh, uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, because it's definitely not Delight, but the two of them are very punk, at least here amongst the ancient Greeks. And we'll get more into everyone's appearance a little bit later on as well you know right and i love that like you know dream like we said is a stick in the mud and death despair uh uh, all of them they all wish them well i like that desire especially love is a wonderful you know i wish well and then olithos the uncle uh wishes them well and if you if you know your greek maybe they're telling you what his name is but i'm not going to say because they don't give the English version in here. And I like that. Like uh, another one is destiny. He's another stick in the mud. He's like, I'm not going to wish you well, because I, I know everything that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, so they have the ceremony. He got, uh, they kiss, you know, kiss the bride. And there's a great, another great shot of Calliope, like crying. And there's just Sandman or, uh, dream could not be bothered. He like he's just like eh, we're here. You know he's a I mean? ca- he's a casual observer to the happiest day of his son's life. Yep, and I like that throughout it. The satyr and I haven't really gone on. He's like he keeps like oh this is beautiful. You're beautiful like you know my my wife who died. I missed my wife. A lot of that stuff going on. You know what I mean? So he ends up you know asking uh, Orpheus's wife, "Can I talk to you? You know I'm kind of having." So I I need to interrupt you, okay? We are introduced to the satyr early on, and Mm -hmm. the satyr has very much of a look and a design of from the Midsummer Night's Dream uh, issue of Puck. So I'm like, he's up to no good. I know something bad happens here. You know who? Go ahead, sorry. 
No, go ahead. I was say, you know who he reminds me of? The the villain from Clash of the Titans. Okay, yes. Yep. So before right before the Seder goes and asks Orpheus's wife off for a moment to abscond with her, mm-hmm. uh, Orpheus has a conversation with Death, Todd. Yep. Uh, my other uncles and aunts, I wish they could have also stayed. They had things to do, Orpheus. But you stayed. And in much smaller font, in a much smaller bubble, she says, I also have things to do, my nephew. Haunting! Joe, um, I may have goosebumps right now. Um, Yeah, that's fantastic. And they're dancing, and Orpheus is like, oh, I just, I'm happy to, to, instead of dance, to play music. You dance with my wife, you know, Seder. And she does, he's like, can we go, can we talk? I need a favor. He's like... I'm kind of sad. Like, not on my happiest day of my 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 life. Am I going to let somebody be sad? We're going to go handle this. Thank you. And in that, as they go wandering off into you know the the forest for a bit, I love the bit where Calliope is trying to get uh, Dream to dance. She's like, "Come on, just dance with me once." I do not dance, not even with you, my wife, not even on your son's wedding day. As I said, I do not dance. Joe, can you feel the chill in the air? <laughs> From these sentences, he is so cold, it is ridiculous. Um, so the satyr goes into the woods and basically just assaults her, and she's or at least attempts to, attempts, yes, attempts to. And she, you know, just does something, gets away from him, and he's like, Listen, I'm sorry, I was drunk, I didn't mean it. And she runs into a like a viper. And it bites her on the leg. And I love that, like, Seder, as the Seder, as she's, you know, dying from this venomous poison bite, he's like, you won't tell anyone, will you? No, she's not gonna. Because of what you did, this happened. Now, the the part you mentioned before where Death's like, I have other things to do, too. And I love, when, or not love, but Orpheus is like, and we're, we're the same age to the day. Isn't that wonderful? a wonderful coincidence? Coincidence, it shows that we were meant for each other. Two hearts beating as one. And like death looks away and she's like, Orpheus? Yes, aunt? And she's like, nothing. And you could see her fading away. And the satyr comes running in. What's wrong? He's like, I'm sorry, my friend. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. And there's that shot of death standing like devastated over her body. Oh, my God. So Like this is one of the most heartbreaking stories in all of Sandman. Um, so there's the funeral. Orpheus can't bring himself to go. He uses his magic singing ability to go to the dreaming and he meets the guards of the gate. And I like that they offer him his sympathies and he's like, I don't need your pity. And they're like, it was freely given, boy. You should not scorn it. Um, and dreams there. And now dreams eyes are white. You know what I mean? And he's like talking to him and he's like, you should have went to the funeral. Humans need that. And, you know, she's alive, you go live. And he's like, but she's alive. She's not alive here, but she is in the underworld. So he's like, well, what do you say you help me get her back? You plead my case. And she's like, he's like, nope, I, I'm not taking this foolishness on. I will hear no more of it. Father, he's like, no more. He's like, well, then no more. I am no longer your son. And he's trying to call him back. He's like, nope, nope. So he goes wandering off and he's contemplating, you know, jumping off a cliff and his uncle 
Olathos comes back. If I have that wrong, I'm sorry. Um, in very different armor this time. Yes, like black to it. I think there's more of the showiness to him. Mm -hmm. And I I think as we see this character over the next couple pages, um, hasn't Neil Gaiman and at least others said that he's inspired by uh, the guy who played the Hawk people in uh, Flash Gordon? I'm 90% sure that is true. I'll have to look that up. But because uh, I remember reading that. I remember that he's definitely based off an actor, and I think it is um, him. So he takes off. I like that uh, Or- Orpheus is like, he's like, this is what I'm going to do. If I can't be with her here, I'm going to jump off. We'll, I'll be in the netherworld with, uh, with her. We'll drink the waters of a forgetfulness. It'll be, you know, almost romantic in the way. And uh, his uncle just basically laughs at him. And I love this line. He goes, Oh, Orpheus, you're a strange child. I think you're more in love with the idea of your dead love than you were ever, you ever were with the girl himself. And he, like, Orpheus kind of loses, like, calm down or I'll just, like, spank you. I'll throw you up in the air kind of a deal. And he's like, you know, have you spoken to your father? He says he was no help. And he's like, and I like that here he's like, He's the dark one. Um, he does care for you, though, but he's set in his ways, uh, you know, very set in his ways. See, I don't think he'll ever change kind of a deal. Um, he's like, well, we'll ask your aunt. He's like, death? And he's like, yeah, Shh, there's something she can do for you. And he's like, but, you know, there's kind of a price. And he's like, well, how do I how do I find her? He goes, well, you got a few choices. You can die, <laughs> but you won't get a chance to talk, but you'll see her. And then I like this one. He's like. You could be born, but your t- your people never remember that particular conversation with your, with her. I don't know why you just don't. Or you and, could go to her. go ahead. Sorry. Right, and then and we get it's like oh, or you just go to her house. You know, it's like she has a house. <laughs> yep, she has lots of things. She seldom has much use for them, but you should see her floppy hat collection. I believe Death has a floppy hat collection. Um, he's like, but yeah, she has a house, and he's like. Uh, how do I get there? And he's like, well, you could ask me and I could send you there. And he does. And he ends up, you know, doing the old knuckle crack, which I love. And he, he like does an explosion and, uh, sends him. She's like, will she see me? He's like, Oh, she'll see you sooner or later. She sees everyone. And I love, uh, he goes to the house and there's a teddy bear in the chair. There's the family portrait on the wall. There's her goldfish, which she has names for. I'm not going to say what they are. I think they pop up later. Um, and he's going to find her like stockings. And he's like, she shows up. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, man, um, this is strange in my eyes. She's like, I get it. And she ends up changing it to what he thinks it should look like, you know, because he's right, not a modern mi- it, man, mind. Yeah, if you will. Modern by 1991 standards, even by today's standards, mm-hmm. death looks very much like she would in most times that we've seen her up to this point. And Orpheus is like in shock by all of this. It's so, you know what I mean? Like he can't deal with what he's seeing. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was such an interesting bit in the story, you know? Right. Um, and he ends up talking to her, and I like the dress. And there's a bit. I don't know if you have the the uh, end at the uh, the letters page in your uh, trade. I, I could get it, yeah. But they end up saying that that dress was actually designed by somebody for the for that dress exists. It was designed just for this issue. So I like that that's out there somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. Um. And so he's like talking to Death, and he's like, I kind of want, you know. 
uh, what you took from me. And he, she's like, I can't like go do what you do. Like you got things to do. And she's like, I, give her back to me. He's like, ah, no. Well, I'll go to Hades where she is and you know, I'll take her. I'll go get her. He's like, but you have to die to get there. He's like, no, like lots of people. Have, they, he, there's tons of stories of the heroes going. And he's like, Hercules and, and you know, this and that. And she's like, you can't go. Nope. That's those are all stories. Not if you're mortal. I like, it's just Hercules was full of it. He just got dead drunk for a couple weeks and he told everyone he had been to the land of the dead. And I was like, okay. Um, but our, our, my uncle told me you could do it. He's like, he has a big mouth. He's like, well, then you could do it. He's like, yes, you could. Um, but there's a catch. Um, but you know, I have to agree to never be able to take you. And he's like, I don't care. Let's go. And she's like, look me in the eyes. Okay. And there's like, there's the flash of a bit. And she's like, you, you got what you want. He's like, okay. He's like, I hope it works out for you. I thought you could tell the future. She goes, I don't need to know the future. When the future's over, then it's me. Show, you know, get out of here, go home. And basically she gives him the directions. Like, just go south and you'll end up running into the gates of Hades. You know what I mean? So there's this long, like, you know, drawn out thing where he's talking about the long, journey that he has to take i'm not going to hit all of it but it's kind of like takes him till he gets to what's rumored to be the gates which in real life was you know there was a, a volcanic thing that had like whistle and sounds coming out of it so that the people of greece honestly thought it was the gates so he does he goes down he ends up reading meeting the the ferryman and he gives them mistletoe which normally if you're dead it's you know the the penny will get you across he goes but that's the price for to get across the sticks and he's like let's go He's like, uh, it's been a long time since I play. I heard music, and Orpheus has his lyre. He's like, I'll play for you. And he ends up crying. He's like, I like this bit. It's a great bit. He's like, is there something wrong? Have I offended you? And he's just like, don't stop. Just keep like, he, you know, it's so good. He feels, love it. Um, uh, he's like, uh, and he tells him, beware the dog. And I get a feeling that Morphe, or, or Orpheus put the dog to, to, you know, rest with the with a song that he played, even though we don't, you know, get to see him do it. Well, we get one more bit where right before he goes, and it's obviously Cerebus, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where Orpheus asks the ferryman, how will I cross the river when I return? And the ferryman says, if you return, then you will leave by another path. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like, ooh, powerful, you know, like, so powerful, you know, really pulling you into what's going on with all this, you know? Yep. Um, as he gets down into like, you know, Hades, you see all the dead, the dead there and he's pushing his way through. And I like, there's the two big obelisks that you see. And as you get closer, you realize they're not buildings or whatever. They're giant thrones. And you know, the, the, it's Hades and his wife, Perpinchone. And they're like, Oh, what do you, what are you here for? And it's like, you know, have you sung for us little mortal man? He's like, yes. And he sings the song of his wife dying, you know, and as it goes on, he ends up, you know, uh, making the, 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 the dead kind of like watch on and cry and may, even makes the furies cry. Like the gods say like that is the, you know, you made us cry. You made them cry and they're never going to forget it. Um, and he's like, but give me my bride and let me go. And they're like, okay, you can go, but you have to go up that way. And she's, you know, don't look back and don't look back till you get to your homeland. And he says, but we're miles from my homeland. He goes, the underworld is, you know, close to everywhere. We'll be home, but do not look back before you get there. Go little man. And once again, they say like, you've made the 
the Furies cry, and that will probably not bode well for you. Right, so, and you know, you get the other bits as Orpheus plays his song, and they interject with the, like. Ixion's wheel stands still with wonder. The vultures stopped gnawing at Tidius's liver. Um, you know, the Tantalus makes no effort to satisfy. Like, he stops the underworld dead in its tracks with his right. song. Like, Which we, again, getting over how big of a deal all of this is. Right, and the power that Orpheus has with his voice, which goes back to, like, the French Revolution, what he did, you know what I mean? Right. Um, obviously, because he's more, he's Dream's son. So he ends up going up, and they, like, he's thinking in his head, he's like, there's he, no sound, she's not there kind of a deal. Um, that it, they, they pull the joke on him, it's all there, and he's almost there. And he, and you know, that's the old fable. He looked back and she does that, like fall back into the underworld. That last panel before you go to that next page where it's just those four panels of him slowly turning back and the last ones where it just says, and he, he looked back and you know, what's on that next page. Yep. And the bit of the four panels where he's like, okay, he's determined not to look. Then you could see him like, I'm still determined. And then the cracking, you know what I mean? And then the look. And then her falling back is just him yelling, no. Beautiful work of art. So, you know, he's on, you know, now he's back. He's on this island playing for a bunch of animals. I like there's a unicorn there. Um, and Calliope shows up. And she's like, you scared off all my friends. And this is another like great piece of the artwork. Like, because before Orpheus was always like prim and proper. He had the pure white cloak or whatever you toga or whatever you want to call it. Now his hair is a mess and his toga is ripped. And it's the color of like grime, especially standing next to Calliope in the pure white. It shows how far he's fallen kind of a deal. Uh, it just looks so beautiful. And he ends up talking to his mother and they're like, he's like, how are you? I'm fine. He's like, have you, have you seen your father? He's like, no, I haven't seen him. He's like, well, we had an argument, you know, he told me the talk you had. I said, he should have went and, you know, they respect him and fear him, but no. Um, and I walked out on him. I don't think I'll see him any longer, but I think it hurt his pride. And she's like, so neither of us is speaking to him. Um, so do you still love him? She's like, nope. I don't, I don't think that I do. I like that. And then she says like, it's, he cannot share anything of himself. I thought he I could change him, but he does not change. He will not. Perhaps he cannot, which is a nice nod to when he, when dream frees Calliope and she notices how much he's changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Such a great scene. Um, I do, and he's like, I don't wish to talk to of uh, this anymore. Um, and she's like, come on, let's get out. And he's like, nope, I stayed, I'm staying here. Um, I try, I try to off himself, but it doesn't work now. She's like, all right, that's not all I came here for. The, the frenzies, the sisters of the frenzy are coming and they cannot, you know, find you here. You know, it'll be bad. He's like, I don't care. Leave me. And she, and that look of where she says goodbye and he's just staring off into space. She knows she's lost the battle and she's not sticking around for these, these people. Right. They end up showing up and they want to drink with them and debauchery and all this. And he's like, no, just leave me alone. There's only one woman I love go. And they end up beating him and rip, rendering him piece by piece, eating his flesh until he's just the, you know, the, a severed head and they throw him 
into the water, which is the beginning dream of him screaming for his wife. Um, it's poetry because it rhymes, but it works, Joe. Did Neil Gaiman invent its poetry so it rhymes? Did he invent poetry and this is how we find this out? Uh, he has to. Maybe Sandman gave a dream to it to George Lucas. Oh, there you go. So it's like a whole wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing. Um, so uh, Sandman dream comes to him, and he's like, and this is one of those where, you know, I try not to read everything, but he's like, you were an unwise to seek uh, death. Uh, you have made your own errors. It was your own life. I have come to say goodbye. It seemed the proper thing to do. I have visited certain priests on this island in their dreams, and they will find you soon and take care of you. I will not see you again. But father, said, father, did you not did you not say you were no longer my son? Please, father, help me. Help me die. Your life is your own, Orpheus. Your death likewise. Alas and forever your own. Farewell. We shall not meet again. He's like, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Yes, pleading. And there's the red eyes again. You know what I mean? And he's like, father, please come back. Orpheus watched as his father walked away, unable to turn his head, even had he wanted to. His father walked away slowly, pace by pace, through the sand and foam. Orpheus watched through the tear-stung eyes until he was out of sight. His father never even tried to look back. Every time I read that, that just that is horrific. That he, he focus. He doesn't change. He's stern. I'm not even going to try to look back. When Neil puts the try in there, yeah. it makes it so much worse. Do you know what I mean? There's no moment of hesitation. There's no. You know, obviously we we get that bit earlier where after Orpheus Orpheus's wife dies. And he, he Orpheus goes to dream, and you know, obviously, uh, what is the exact verbiage that Dream says to him? Um, well, it's like you should. You are mortal. It is the mortal way. You attend the funeral. You bid the dead for farewell. You grieve, and then you continue with your life. It's more or less like I've read up on mortals, and this is what mortals are supposed to do. So why aren't you doing the thing that mortals do? You know, right? Like an hour from the funeral, right? And in this moment here, it's like, I understand when your son dies, uh, this is what you're supposed to do, and I'm going to do these things. I don't really want to, but I'm not going to tell you that I don't want to. But everything in my body language and the way that I tell you that I'm doing these things is going to tell you that I don't want to do these things. Um, I have a slight – I think a lot of what you're in there I agree with you. I only have one slight take. I don't believe that – he thinks his son is dead and this is what you do. His son told him, you, I am no longer your son. And he's good. That's the way this, that's the way you want it. I, I'm emotionless and I can handle it. And he walks away. And the bit of him not even trying to turn is a even bigger slap in the face to Orpheus because that's what he should have done. And there would have been none of this problem. You know what I mean? Right. Like my father did what I couldn't do, but he, he can just walk away from me. Like, if I was him, I would have won this. But if I was him, I wouldn't have had a, a, a loving relationship either. So, just so good, Joe. And such a linchpin issue, man. Yeah. This one-shot spot, shot special. And I did, never thought as I was reading that, like, a one-shot special would be so pivotal to the story. And wh- how pivotal this issue is, man. Right. 
Um, so next, uh, we have a couple other short stories. If you have the trade, like I do, of uh, Trade 6, Fables and Reflections, uh, we are reading issues 39 and 40. The easy way to find them is is 39 is the issue before the Sandman special, and 40 <laughs> is the issue that's after the Sandman special. Right. Clear as mud, right? Yep. Soon we'll be. Oh no! Then we we do have the fifty issue in there. So we're all, once we get past fifty, we're all good to go. You know. Right. And I think there's some of the other short stories and stuff that we have to come back to at some point in this. Yeah, I always had them in single issue and stuff, so I don't know where they fall in the trades, if that makes any sense. Right. But uh, like I said, after this, we pick up brief lives, so we're in that for a little bit. Until we have to bounce around to some of the other mini series and stuff like that, you know? Right. Doing a good job, though. We're at a good clip, Joe. I would say so. Oh, boy, it feels good to be rereading these Sandman comics. I, for, I, I mean, I know we say it. I forgot how, like, great these were. Oh, I'm jealous of all those guys who are getting to read it for the first time along with us. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, obviously we got plugs, of course, to talk about. We have our store where you could purchase shirts and pins and stickers, uh, of our fancy logo directly from me. Just shoot me an email. I'm still trying to work out. I don't like the way that eBay does their, or eBay, PayPal does their store stuff. Mm -hmm. I do like the way that eBay has things set up that we get a little bit of a kickback, uh, for any of the stuff that you win or purchase or bid on through our affiliate link, which is all spread out throughout all the links on the page here. Um, of course, the best way to support us would be signing up for the Patreon. Uh, little as a dollar a month is going to get you those two free bonus or two free two bonus shows every <laughs> month. They're not free because you're paying at least a dollar for them, practically free. Um, so two bonus shows a month. One is previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. Um, they've been big catalogs the last two months. So they've been big episodes, like three hours plus. Right. Um, you know, obviously the full scans of those previews are up. So you can certainly look through those just to kind of see the stuff that we're talking about. Even if you don't listen to the podcast. Um, I think if you were a comic book uh, reader like Todd and myself, and I think that's who our listener base is. Uh, I think it's fantastic to go back and look at what the comic book industry looked like 30 years ago. Um, I was just looking at like some stuff today just to see what the comic book industry looked like 10 years ago and <laughs> right. how different things were, let alone 30 years ago. Um, we also have our comic book oddity show where we talk about um, some of the lesser known pre-Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., Marvel Cinematic Universe comic book movies. Um, there were some good ones, but there were a lot more bad ones than there were good ones. Uh, this month, we're going to be talking about one of the bad ones, I have a feeling, and that is the Halle Berry, Sharon Stone Catwoman movie. Right, in infamous the Catwoman movie, so uh, so f uh, famous it was infamous. Yes, so. almost watched uh, Three Amigos this weekend with the kid. Oh, that's a good movie. The DVD was out; it was ready to go in, and he wanted to do stuff with his friends. I say, Blu-ray? Was it a Blu-ray? No, I don't have a Blu-ray player yet. You got to get a 4K as well. You know, mm, I'm thinking about it, we'll see. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, $5 a month is going to get you those two shows two weeks before everyone else, and it's going to get you After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. 
Uh, and I think that's it, unless, unless there's anything else you want to throw out there. No, no art attacks. And like you said, there's no TV shows for a little bit yet. Uh, I mean, at least, you know, not till the end of 2023. So uh, I don't know. I, I <laughs> You know, not after the end of 2023 anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I think we're done. I think we had a full show, man. Yep, we got Spider-Verse uh, 2 coming out in two weeks. Uh, go listen to the After Dark when it comes out, if you're not a Patreon person, uh, for Todd and I's review of the Spider-Verse Burger King Whopper with the red bun. Right, it was a Whopper of a story. Oh, boy. Um, so, hey, uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much. Uh, for listening to episode 658 of Longbox Heroes. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.